It's an interesting topic. As I was preparing for the message, I thought, okay, I was going to a different path, and we came down this path, and I was like, wow, this is a lot. And I'm like, Lord, do you, are you sure you want this message for this morning? There's a lot in there. And so, this is the message. He wouldn't let me go from it. And you know, sometimes when you're, if you're learning to get direction, if, if, if you're trying to seek God's direction, sometimes God just kind of, remember when Elijah was out there and, and there was the, the earthquake and there was the rumblings and God wasn't in that stuff, but he was in the still, small voice. But you know, to hear something that's quiet, we have to what? We have to listen. For that still, small voice, but we're trying to go in a direction and we want to see what God wants us to do. We kind of feel that little push in our back. It's just a light shove in our back that we're going the right direction. So this is the message. And so we find ourselves in the book of Ephesians, chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. Chapter 2 of Ephesians, verses 8 and 9. Now, you might find that in today's message, we are going to touch on several doctrinal principles, several teaching pieces. And if you have questions on any aspect of it, as we, as we touch lightly on it, each one of them could be a side study or a, or a discussion, feel free to talk to me after the service or reach out to me. If you're joining us online, we have a, you can send an email to um, pastor and at marysville3cu.org, pastor at marysville3cu.org, um, to ask uh, questions that way as well. So let's turn in our Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 9. Now this is one of these verses that, you know, there's a collection of verses I, was tell, I would tell a new Christian to learn. Uh, this would be one of them. I think this is a good one to have, some of these doctrinal um, passages. But Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. May God has blessing for the reading of his word. Not of works. Not of works. These are the kinds of verses that you would find around the Reformation. The Reformation, and you might be aware and familiar with the Reformation, but we're talking about when John, what, John, when um, Martin Luther, when Martin Luther basically created his thesis and uh, broke away from the Catholic Church. For by grace ye are sa saved, and it's not of works. We're saved by grace, it's not of works. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. <coughs> works. Works. We are saved by grace. God gives us the opportunity, the grace, the extended privilege of allowing us the means to believe in him. 
grace. He didn't have to do that. God also gives us the, the graces extended to us in what we would call prevenient grace, going ahead and saying, drawing us to him. It's grace that by which he gave us a plan of salvation. Grace being unmerited favor. Sometimes grace and mercy can get confused. Grace is giving you something that you don't deserve. Mercy is not giving you something you do deserve. And in mercy, we usually think of punishment. So grace is a gift undeserved, and punishment is... Excuse me, and mercy is not giving you something you, you do deserve, which would be in punishment. So here we're talking about grace. We have grace through the faith. We have grace through the plan of salvation. We have the grace through the Holy Spirit that comes in, draws us. It's not of works. It's not of works. these means of grace. He's given us these, this grace and methods by which we can accept Christ, but we can't do those things that make us worthy. If you would look in history, you might find times in religious circles where they would flog themselves or beat themselves, punish themselves, in order to try to make themselves worthy I've done something wrong, so I need to punish myself. And historically, they were trying to, that would be works, right? They're trying to do the work to save themselves, to make themselves worthy. You can't make yourself worthy. It's grace, though. He's extended his grace to us so that we can accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, that grace is extended to us. And so we have to be careful that we don't lift our, where are we headed here? Our sacraments. What's a sacrament? The activities, the religious activities, to the level of the blood of Jesus Christ. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. We don't take communion so that we might be saved. We don't get baptized so that we might be saved. We need to take communion, and we are to get baptized. We recently have a new convert, and we will be talking to her about getting baptized. But... She's saved. But we follow through in these acts of baptism, and we follow through in these acts of communion. He tells us to do it in remembrance of him on the communion. He tells us to make this public confession through baptism. But we don't want to elevate those things that we don't say... Hey, when were you saved? Well, when I came up out of the water in that creek so many years ago. Or creek, depending on where you're from. No, you were saved at an altar when you confessed your sins and asked Jesus into your heart. Or you were saved when you 
that one-on-one with Jesus. It's the blood of Jesus that saves you. It's not that water that saves you. It's not the communion that saves you. Because some would believe, we do not, that that blood, that, 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 that cup becomes the blood. And that becomes his body. And that somehow that's how you're partaking in the blood of Jesus is by consuming it. No, it's in remembrance of him. It's in remembrance of him. We're not saved through works. It's by grace through believing in Jesus. So let us talk just a little bit. We're going to look at passages of Scripture here. Um, We're going to start with Romans 10, 9 through 10. Romans 10, verses 9 through 10. And as we mentioned last week, if you find that you're, uh, it's becoming cumbersome to find the passage of Scripture and you're looking up your Bible, feel free to follow along. I don't want the, the finding in your Bible get in the way of the message, but I do want you to find it in your Bible if you can. Um, but let's, we'll keep thinking some priority. Verse 9, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Now this basically ties back into, and we think about the passage of the scripture, that we're, if we won't profess him or we're embarrassed of him, he'll be embarrassed of us. And so we confess with our mouth, we're acknowledging out loud. Now, in just a minute, we're going to be in, in uh, Ephesians 19. I know some are, are passaging through the scripture, but Ephesians 19, we're going to be verses 1 through 7 in just a moment. We, in verse 9, we find. <laughs> I already, we'll move on. Let's go on to Ephesians 19. Ephesians 19. You know, there's not 19 chapters in Ephesians. And so, I'm not really sure what I um, put there. And so, I wish to apologize. When we turn to, let's look, turn to Acts 19. I believe that's where I put it. I, I wrote my notes down and. You know, it's, you ever get, if you've ever been on uh, a performance or, or something like that, that and you forget your lines, pa- pastors this happens too. But my, my notes were wrong, but we're in Acts 19, 1 through 7. Let me just fix this in case I would ever preach this sermon again. Did you know that preachers sometimes preach the same sermon again? I probably couldn't read my notes then and know what I was talking about. Uh, Acts 19, 1 through 7. Acts 19, 1 through 7. So we're talking a little bit today about baptism, and it's going to bring us into the, some other conversations as well. And it, came, and it happened while Paulus was at Corinth, 
that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus, and finding some disciples, he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, We have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. Verse 3, And he said to them, And to what then were you baptized? So they said, Into John's baptism. John the Baptist, verse 4. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Now the men were about twelve in all. There's a lot we're going to unpack there. And it happened while Apollos, verse 1, went at Corinth, that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus, and finding some disciples, verse 1. So we have to remember now that we're in, what the time, what we, what we call today, anyhow, Asia Minor. So we're no, now we're talking about getting into different regions. The gospel's going out, it's not just for the Jews, we're going to the Gentiles, the non-Jews. And so they're laying and gaining their understanding. We might remember that later Peter is instructed on what is clean and what's not clean as far as food. But that also leads to what's clean and unclean as far as the Gentiles. And they're starting to learn now that the gospel is to go, what were they told to do, into all the earth. And so we see here, then we get, they, he's asking them if they received the Holy Spirit. Why? We remember in Acts of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came and they were endued with power. And what happened there? They went out after the Holy Spirit came. Jesus had already ascended. The Holy Spirit came at Pentecost. And they went out and they spoke with tongues. And so, since this is in this verse, it's important that we explain this just a little bit. When they spoke with tongues, if you read that passage of Scripture, and again, we're touching on some high levels here, so I can point you to the Scriptures, but if you read there, and then every man, every person basically understood in their own language. I had a, a, someone that was teaching a class, they said it was even in their own dialects. The purpose at that time was they went and they heard in their own language. They did not hear some other language. So I want you to think about that for a minute. When they went there, they were from whatever lands they were from. They came in to Jerusalem for religious activities. Feast, I believe, going on, the Feast of Pentecost going on. But they all came in, and they all had their different languages. But they heard in their own language. If they came in and were listening, and depending on what language was being preached, it would already be an unknown tongue to them. What would be the point? That wasn't their native language that was being spoken. They heard it in their own language. The purpose was for them to be able to all hear the gospel. The Holy Spirit came so they might hear the gospel. In 1 Corinthians, it talks about the same thing. They had probably what people were getting up and they were preaching or teaching or having a talk. And in Corinth, they had brought all these people different places. They stood up in church 
and they spoke. But not everybody could understand him, understand them. It did not edify the church. And the scripture talks about what good is it if you speak in a bunch of different languages, if nobody understands you, stands you, it does not edify the church. So if someone comes in speaking a different language, have them be quiet unless there be an interpreter. It's not talking about unknown tongues. Because unknown tongues doesn't edify. And if it's God working through them in the unknown tongues, it says be quiet unless there be an interpreter. That means you need to stop what God's trying to tell you through these unknown tongues if there's not an interpreter. Do you see what's happening here? The purpose is to edify the body. The purpose of the tongues is the gift so that people can hear the gospel. If you're listening and go back to Acts, Jesus came and they were speaking in tongues. It means they learned. They didn't speak Spanish. I'll give you an example. They didn't speak Spanish, but the people that understood Spanish heard in Spanish. That was the purpose of tongues. Or they didn't know Spanish, but they were speaking in Spanish and people could understand it. God enabled them to speak in a language they didn't understand themselves so that other people could hear the gospel. They all heard the gospel in their own language, even in languages that the disciples didn't know because of the Holy Spirit. That's the speaking in tongues. They were speaking in known languages so that everybody could hear it. If we were to have someone come in here that spoke Spanish, and you guys don't speak Spanish, I don't think some of you might, but if we someone come and spoke in Spanish, it would be my responsibility to say, listen, we need somebody to interpret so they can hear in English. If I was to go to preach at a church that was predominantly Spanish, and we have Spanish-speaking churches in our denomination, if I would go to that church as a special speaker and preach, I should not preach unless someone would interpret it, because what would it help if I got up here and spoke to you in Spanish, and you didn't hear it? All would say, hey, he can speak in Spanish, good, good for him. But if I got up here, my only language was Spanish, and I'm on a mission field, or I'm in a situation, and my only known language is Spanish, when I would speak, you would hear it in English if God had given me the gift of tongues. That's what happened at Pentecost. It'd be like all of us took a trip, and we went to Spain, or Germany, and you got there, didn't know German. But you went into a church, and while you were sitting in that church, you heard it in English. Speaking in, that's speaking in tongues. That's what's happening. And so in this particular passage of Scripture, so when we talk about speaking in tongues, we believe it's in known languages to edify the body so people can hear the gospel. In this case, when we got down to verse 7, Verse 6, and when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. They received the gift of the Holy Spirit in the same way they did at Pentecost. And you'll find this later in Acts, because they talk about, and we see how they received the Spirit just as we did at Pentecost. So your Bible might even say, uh, the Ephesian Pentecost, or, or something like that. But it was their Pentecost. It was important that they received the same gifts as 
They did in Acts so that later, uh, as the apostles are starting to understand, the Holy Spirit is not just for the Jews. The Holy Spirit is for everyone that receives Jesus and has a point, comes to a point of surrender to him. All right. Like I said, we touched on a bunch of things. So I've touched on, the, on that part. Now let's go back into the baptism part. And they said to him, into what then were you baptized? So they said into John's baptized, baptism. Into John's baptism. So let's talk about a little bit about baptism at that time. You might be familiar with a term called proselyte. Proselyte. And if someone wanted to become a Jew, they became a proselyte. And what was part of the activity of that? They were baptized into that set of beliefs. It was declaring, I'm abandoning this set of beliefs, and I'm declaring... This is my new belief set. I'm declaring my shift of allegiance. So I'm declaring my shift of allegiance. Now you can keep your finger in our passage of scripture here in Acts 19. But in Acts 11, 16. Then I remember the word of the Lord, how he said, John indeed baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So we're referring to the water baptism versus the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Water baptism, baptism of the Holy Spirit. And then one more verse. Keep your finger back in Acts 19. We're going to come back to that. Just little um, background verses. Baptism is a, can be a confusing thing because many churches... Interpret it in different ways. Verse 11, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And fire. So there's lots of symbolism there. Okay. Now we're ready to go back to Acts 19, 1 through 7. Verse 2. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, we have not so much as heard whether there is a here spirit. So their belief set was limited to what we would say God the Father. They were baptized, saying my belief set is this is my understanding of God. It's God the Father. Unto repentance with John. But there's one coming. I want you to look forward, John's saying, for repentance. I want you to look forward. You've got to change. There's something happening. I want you to look forward to this, re this baptism of this person that's coming that I can't even loose his sandals. He's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. The baptism gives this symbolism of the washing. But Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, we're going to be we can be baptized with the Holy Spirit and fire. And fire is a cleansing agent. So there's that symbolism in that. We're not going to go too far into that one. But we're talking about this baptism. So let's keep, keep going back where we were. And to what then were you baptized? So they said John's baptism. 
Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with the baptism of repentance. Repentance, a change. Saying to people that there should believe on him who would come after him. That is on Christ Jesus. Who is Christ Jesus? Christ Jesus. Jesus is an individual. Think of Jesus as an individual. I could call somebody else's name. Say you know somebody that's named James or Jim. Which Jim is it? It's Jim. Oh yeah, the Jim that died on the cross. He is the Christ. He is the Messiah. He is the promised one. They gave him the title that you should believe on him. Who should come after him? That is on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So they said, okay, I understood it as God the Father. That's when I was baptized. I was supposed to be looking forward to someone that was coming. But I was baptized there. And he said, but now we have Jesus. We have Jesus. Do you believe in Jesus? As part of the triune Godhead. And that includes the Holy Spirit. And those are wrapped all together. And they're like, oh wow, I get it now. I want to declare that. I'm declaring that's my belief system. I, didn't, I don't believe in just God. I get it. I accept Jesus as the Christ. I accept Jesus as the Messiah. I accept Jesus as part of the triune Godhead. I accept in also the Holy Spirit. I want baptized. I'm declaring that I believe in that. And so they were baptized the second time. The first time they were baptized, they didn't understand about Jesus. They were baptized based on the understanding of God the Father. But the reason they were baptized again, because we baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. They didn't comprehend all that stuff. They were baptized into John's baptism, which was this set of beliefs. Now they're going to be baptized into this set of beliefs, saying, God the Father, God the Son, Christ. His death and resurrection. That's my means of salvation. Remember when we talked about the proselytes? They were saying, I'm moving from this belief system to that belief system. I'm moving from a Judea, Judea, Judaism belief set and repentant, and I want to do what God wants me to do unto repentance, to a Jesus is the center. Jesus Christ is the center of my salvation. I'm declaring that in my baptism. Just like I declared in my, if I were to convert from some other religion to Judaism, they would have proselytes that were baptized. They were baptized into this new set of belief systems. I'm declaring. I know it's complicated. And then we in the Christendom have made it even more complicated. Because some will tell you that you are baptized into a church. And when you're baptized into the church, you become a member of that church. That's not because being a member of that church makes you saved. That's not what we believe. 
you're baptized as an outward sign of an inward work, you're declaring, this is my belief system. I believe in the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. I believe that Jesus saved me. I'm confessing that to everyone. Some would say that you're not saved until you are baptized. It's not the baptism that saved you. I wasn't saved when I was baptized. I was saved when I repented and asked Jesus' forgiveness and he came into my heart. I'm saved. And then I'm declaring that I'm saved. I'm declaring I believe in the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. I'm declaring that. And you'll find in the New Testament they'll say they baptized, they baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of sins. Because it was the Jews having to accept Jesus. But we're to baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. In the triune Godhead. In Jesus Christ, the means of salvation. For by grace are you saved through faith, and not, that not of yourselves, not of works, lest any man should boast. It's not taking communion that saves you. It's not taking baptism that saves you. These are important, but these do not save you. This do in remembrance of me, remind you that I shed, that Jesus is saying, he shed his blood. His body was tore. It's to remind us. It's to remind us. This means of grace to keep us on track, to remember what Jesus did for us to remind us that we needed him. We declare to the world, my belief set is in Jesus. I confess my sins. We give a testimony before we're baptized. Some of you remember that. Um, when we did that not too long ago, it was a little bit of a while ago, but uh, when we had a baptism, and we give a testimony, and we declare, and family comes, even non-Christians come, and we declare that I believe, and then the symbolism of being baptized, of going under the water, baptism. It's not a means of salvation. You don't get saved by being baptized. You don't get saved by taking the Eucharist which is another word for communion, but in some churches, what we see is some of the leftovers from some of the Catholic, the Roman Catholic processes that came through. Don Calvin came out of the Catholic Church, and that, or part of that continuation. So we see some of those things. And there's lots of confusions. Some get into the discussions on how you must be baptized. Whether sprinkling's okay. Whether you have to be dunked. Whether you have to be immersed. Whether you have to this or whether you have to be that. But you see now we're getting into discussions on the mechanisms of baptism. And we start to elevate it that that mechanism, that work is the means of salvation and it's not. For some of you this is fundamental. For some of this you've known this all your life. But it can get very confusing, and people can say, but were you baptized? And it becomes a means to start wondering, am I saved? But are we to be baptized? Yes, we are. We're to declare 
We're to let people know. But we don't want to elevate the sacraments to the level of the grace that's extended through us because it's what saves us through the blood of Jesus. That's where we have the remission of sins. So we've talked about several different things. We talked a little bit about tongues in the Bible. As we read it, it's known tongues, not unknown tongues. It's known tongues to help the church understand. We talked about by grace are you saved through faith and not that not of yourself did this gift of God, not of works, that any man should boast. On the salvation plans, people try to give to charity, come to church, do the different acts. That doesn't save you. It's through the blood of Jesus. And through baptism, it doesn't save us. What it does is it declares, this is me declaring, just like I'm as, as a convert, I'm declaring, I believe. I believe, and I want everybody to know it. But the first part is, if you don't know Jesus, you need him. If you stepped away from Jesus, you need to step back to Jesus. We need the blood of Jesus. We need an abiding relationship with Jesus, like we preached a few weeks ago. An abiding relationship with Jesus, under the blood of Jesus. And then we just need to follow what he tells us to do, which includes communion and includes baptism. But it's the blood of Jesus that saves us. Let's be standing together. With your heads bowed and hearts praying, just remember that the altar is open. You have the opportunity to come and pray. Sit at a chair, kneel at a chair up front. But just be obedient to God as you contemplate these things. And if you're not in the center of God's will, you need to get there. Father God, I pray that you'd help each one that's heard this message. Some might still have some questions, and Lord, help them to send them into the appropriate places to get answers, which might not be the Internet. But Lord, help them to realize that if they hunger and thirst after you, they shall be filled. If you hunger and thirst after righteousness, you shall be filled. So Lord, if, that they would seek you with all their heart. Father, if those are unsaved, that they would receive you and accept you into their heart. And yes, Lord, that they would declare to the world through baptism, I believe in Jesus Christ, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for me. But Lord, I just pray that you'd help us. You'd help us with the confusions that are out there. We get focused on the wrong, wrong things, the wrong aspects. But Father, reassure us today that we're a child of the King. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Continue with your heads bowed. Just